All right, I need three children volunteers, quickly. Okay, right there in the back, I see that hand. I need two more, quickly. Okay, Drake, I need one more volunteer, Mr. Wimpy. All right, boys, come on up here. Let's see, let's, where can we be seen the best? Tell you what, let's, let's get right down here. All right, so let's see. Who's going to be my... Hmm, let's see here. All right, I'm going to let you, buddy, hold that right there. All right, now, so <clears throat> Mr. Wimpy, stand over here with me. So the deal is you have the opportunity to go to Hibbets. And we're going to pretend this $1 bill for just a minute. This is a $100 bill. See, I'm just smart. And I don't have any of these, those hanging around. So we're going to pretend that's a $100 bill. And you've got the opportunity to hang out with one of these guys. And there's a Hibbets in the, in the place where you're going to be hanging out. Um, let's see, what else? What other stores do you like? That's pretty much it. Okay, <clears throat> there's the Hibbets. And they're good. Guys are simple. Ladies, it's just, I mean, it's real simple. There's food there, too. Food, sports, you're good? Okay, and so you get to hang out with one of these guys. Drake has no money. Mr. Um, Williams over here, on the other hand, has $100. Now, forget everything else. So these, these, these are fine young men. I mean, just look at, them. look at the smiles on these boys' faces. I mean, two of our finest right here. And, and, and so forget everything else. Don't, I mean, it, it, don't factor in whether you know one of them or not, okay? What I want to know is who are you going to choose to go hang out with just based on what I've told you so far? Why? Dude's got $100. All right. Even our children know how this works, don't they? All right, so the good deal is I've got three $1 bills. Thanks to my two boys, Bailey and Grant. I had no money this morning. I said, boys, I need three bucks. Can we do it? Thank you, guys. All right, you can, take, you can go back to your seats. That's yours. You're, we're done. Thanks. I got a confession to make. This time of the year, I find myself thinking about money perhaps more than any other time or season of the year. There's something good about gift-giving, right? Even lavish gift-giving, something that imitates our God of lavish grace and mercy given through Jesus. But, but I watch all the shopping, and that's a key phrase. I watch all the shopping. I've got that figured out. I don't do shopping, except maybe one or two people. I watch all the shopping and the buying by the haves and the have-nots alike. You know which one you are? And it's like there's this spell cast over people's minds this time of the year, isn't it? Like you have to buy big whether you can afford it or not. And sometimes I struggle with the fact that, that I've got friends who are literally millionaires on the one hand, and on the other hand, I have friends who struggle from paycheck to paycheck. And I find myself somewhere in the middle being graciously provided for, but certainly not wealthy. Through the years, I've struggled at times with anxiety and insecurity and fear, just flat out, concerning finances and a large family. How about you? 
Do you ever wonder why, even among Jesus' followers, even among our church family, why things are so economically uneven sometimes? I mean, we're kind of getting real from the beginning this morning, aren't we? And it's just going to get more real as we go, so hang on. You know, our own hearts and the society around us tell us that value and security are found in money and possessions. We hear that. We, we, we drink that in, whether we want to or not, every day. And even us Jesus followers often gauge the goodness of our Christmas by what gifts we received or what gifts we were able to purchase for someone else. My guess is that I'm not alone and that every one of you have struggled and occasionally still do struggle with these things. This is yes in American, this is no. Yeah. Well, I wished I could tell you that it's God's will that everyone be financially the same and that if you'll just pray and believe and even work really hard, you'll get your piece of the pie. But it just ain't so. It just ain't so. But what I am going to tell you this morning is even better than that. And it's much more powerful than that. If we'll genuinely believe it and let it change how we celebrate Christmas this year and head into a new year. You know, we're not the first followers of Jesus to deal with this struggle. The Bible tells us that the grace of God in Jesus gives us our only reason for boasting and our only security in life and in eternity. You see, the goodness of our Christmas has nothing at all to do with money. I want to talk to you this morning from James chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, about the meaninglessness of money. The way I want to start our celebration of the Advent season is, is, is for you to get hold of this truth from James 1, 9 through 11. The grace of God in Jesus gives us our only reason for boasting and our only security in life and eternity. James has something to say about the meaninglessness of money. In verse 9 of James 1, it says this, Believers, so the the context James is writing to are Jewish Christians, and he's addressing the churches that his letter would have gone to. So he's talking to groups of believers just like this. And he says, just imagine this letter being read from James to you. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. You see, according to James, who we are and our standing in this world has nothing to do with money, but everything to do with God's grace given to us in Jesus. James says, the poor believer, 
The poor man who knows God through faith in Jesus Christ. The poor follower of Jesus. You know what he can do? He can boast that God has exalted him. Because even though in this world he has no status, he has no place, he has no honor in the kingdom of God, the poor man who puts his faith in Jesus Christ is a son of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And he has an everlasting position in the family. He's been made holy and righteous before Almighty God through Jesus Christ, James is saying. And then he goes on and he dwells on this one a little longer. And he says those who are rich, here's what they should boast about. Not about their money like they do in the world, like the world does about their money. But rather they should boast that God has humbled them because here's the deal. All the money in the world will burn. You won't take it with you. And what that means is, in the kingdom of God, it doesn't matter. It's meaningless. It has no bearing on your standing before holy God. It does nothing to contribute to your acceptance by God as his own child. The only thing that gives you any standing before holy God is the same thing that got the poor man in the family, Jesus Christ crucified and resurrected for your sins and in your place. And the only thing that will get you through heaven's gates is the same thing. You'll follow the poor man right in and you'll walk the same way and you'll boast in the same thing and you'll leave your millions behind and you'll boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ. You see the ground's level at the foot of the cross. Our celebration of Advent And Christmas has everything to do with our eternal righteousness and acceptance and glory in Jesus Christ. Paul taught the same thing back in 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 to 30. He says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. And that's not just a happenstance kind of thing. It just worked out that way. You know, he goes on. Instead, God chose the things, things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. How does it work in the world? Power and money go hand in hand, don't they? And if you don't have money, you don't have power, right? Chances are, if you've got power in the world, you've got money. And God chose to do salvation this way. I'm going to show the world by even who I, who I call to myself in the main. Now, does God save rich people? Absolutely. But in the main, not many, he says. Why? Because mo- most rich people, what did Jesus say? It's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom. It's, it's like a, a camel going through the eye of a needle. Why? Because of the power money gives in this world. And the illusion that that power can carry you right on to, into eternity somehow. Paul says God chose to do salvation upside down. And he chose the foolish, he chose the weak, 
to shame the wise and the powerful of this world. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. He did the work for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. The grace of God in Jesus gives us our only reason for boasting and our only security in life and in eternity. You know, you've got to remember how things work because of Jesus every day. And by the way, these days, the season of Advent is even more important. I mean, just, just agree with me. Make me feel good, but because it's true. This is a good time to talk about me and my money and you and your money, amen? Because you're already thinking about it, right? Our hearts are already in this struggle. You've got to remember how things work because of Jesus every day. Galatians 3, 26 to 29. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I love this passage. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. doesn't matter if you're rich in the world or poor in the world. When you come to Jesus, you get the royal robe of Jesus himself. Your dress is fit for a king. It is the king. And Paul says there's no longer Jew or Gentile. doesn't matter your race. Slave or free. That means you're not the, you're not the company owner or, or the lowest man on the totem pole at work. doesn't matter. There's no longer male and female in Christ. None of that stuff matters. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You, all of you are his heirs. God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. You see, this is why Jesus came as a baby to an out-of-the-town, out-of-the-way Palestinian town called Bethlehem. We are all, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are all infinitely wealthy as sons and daughters, and did you hear that word, heirs of God? What does that even mean? We are heirs of God, the God of heaven, the creator and sustainer of all things, the one who will judge the whole earth through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. You may be dirt poor in this world, or you may have millions in this world. It doesn't matter. Money here is worthless in the kingdom, but in Christ Jesus you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are infinitely wealthy. And so am I. And again, our money situation is absolutely meaningless to our relationship with God. So the next time you feel yourself envying someone who has more money than you do, or 
the next time you feel more secure and, and even a little proud of all the money you've earned, so remind yourself of two things. If you're a Jesus follower, according to James 1, 9 through 11, all the differences in the world no longer apply to your life at all. You're in a new kingdom. You need to think like you're kids of the king because you are. All the money in the world is meaningless as far as you're standing before the God of the universe. And the second thing is, Jesus is our only wealth before the Father's throne. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Rich and poor alike stand forgiven, righteous, and therefore accepted only by faith in Jesus Christ. That's why the Christmas story includes a common, poor, teenage virgin girl. It includes the shepherd outcast of, of society. It, it includes a stable cave with the barn animals. And even wealthy, foreign, wise men who all would bow low and worship a little baby boy who would become the savior of the world. Christmas is prime time for thinking differently about yourself. And allowing that perspective to change your actions, your shopping and buying, your priorities in planning how you celebrate Christmas and your giving. It's prime time to take James 1, 9 through 11 and live it. Christmas is also prime time for thinking differently about others, amen? And allowing that perspective to change your priorities and your actions. 2 Corinthians 5, verses 14 to 16, Paul writes and says, Since we believe that Christ died for everyone, we also believe that we have all died to the old life we used to live. As believers, if we know Jesus, we don't live like we used to live. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live to please themselves. Instead, they will live to please Christ who died and was raised for them. So, what's the result of all that? What, what changes because of all of that? So, we have stopped evaluating others by what the world thinks about them. Christmas is prime time for you to change not only how you think about yourself, but how you think about other people. Christmas is prime time for us to show the world around us, the, the guys at work, the ladies in the office, the, the neighbors, the, 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 the family, that we don't see people like the world sees them in terms of dollar signs. And what they have or they don't have. We see each and every one as a soul for whom Christ died. We see each and every one no different than ourselves and ourselves no different than anyone else sinners in need of a Savior. People who can be rescued from the deepest sin by the grace of the living God through Jesus Christ. The grace of God in Jesus gives us our only reason for boasting and our only security in life and in eternity. James shows us how to apply all this in chapter 2. We'll spend more time on this in the future, but just for, just for a second. James chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It says, If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that you are guided by wrong motives? Hello. I mean, James just gets plain. 
No flowery language, no, no warm-up, just there it is. The bottom line is, if you, if we in the church, let's just get right down to it, you, me, if we here favor a rich man when he walks through these doors and comes into this sanctuary, into our Sunday school class, and we kind of ignore a poor man, you know what we're saying? We see you the same way the world does, and here's the deal, you're just dollar signs. Y'all all right? We're being driven by wrong motives. We're, we're thinking like we're not part of the kingdom of God. We're thinking like life ends when we die. That it's only about this planet and what happens here. And it's only about this lifespan of ours and all the good and, and, and fun and enjoyment and, and, and whatever we can get out of that. And so it means money's really important. And you see, if that's the way we think, it'll show in how we talk to people who've got money and, and how we talk to people who don't got money. I know that's not good English, but you, you got it, didn't you? This Christmas, we can show the world that the grace of God in Jesus gives us our only reason for boasting and our only security in life and eternity by treating everyone the same as a person for whom Christ died who's no different than we are and who's no different than the other person of a different financial status. Because you see, the truth of the matter is told, us, told to us in Proverbs 23, verse 5. Will you set your eyes on that which is not? He's talking about money, that which is not. Sorry, boys, but the stuff I gave you, those $1 bills, it's not real. It's not going to last. I mean, it's real now. You can buy nothing it inhibits with the dollar, but you can add it to some dollars, and you can purchase something with it. But here's the deal. It, it's going to go. It's going to be gone. It won't last forever. And in fact, riches certainly make themselves wings, the Proverbs tell us. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. How many can say, amen, mine have already done it? Hello. Yep. You ever seen it happen? Sometimes, Kyle, we were talking about this this morning. Dave Ramsey was talking to us in Sunday school this morning. Yeah, that'll mess with you. That'll get right down to where you live and your budget. Whew. What was my point about Dave Rand? Oh, um, I'm not sure I remember, but anyway, must not have been too important. What was he? What was that? Ah, they fly away. Money. Oh, part of it, sometimes it's because we make stupid decisions with our money. Hello, come on. And sometimes it's just because God says, I think I'll just take that away because you seem to be loving that a little bit too much. Whatever the case, at the end, it's going to burn. If you get to keep it your whole life, it's going to burn. It won't go with you. Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't do it. It's dumb. Build everlasting treasures in heaven where they can't be touched because God is the guard of that estate. Hello. Are you rich there? You see, that's, that's the question. 
First Timothy chapter one, verses six. Uh, excuse me. First Timothy chapter six, verses six through ten, and seventeen to nineteen. As we begin to wrap it up, there's a word for everybody here. So, as far as our relationship to God, money's meaningless, right? But in terms of the kingdom of God, money has a place, doesn't it? So how should we think about money in light of its eternal insignificance? How should we think about it and how should we deal with it in the here and now? And how should we think about it if we've got it? How should we think about it if we don't got it? 1 Timothy 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That's a word to rich and poor. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Sometimes poor have harder time being content than rich. Sometimes, and I mean, I'll testify, sometimes what I don't have creates a dissatisfaction in me that's probably stronger than the discontent of someone who has. So this, this, this issue is not just for rich people. You got it? Poor people? I'm one of you, I'm not there with you, I'm not talking down to you. You follow me? Those who want to get rich, he's talking to the ones who aren't yet. There's days this is me. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and many foolish and harmful desires that don't just kind of mess with you, that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Doesn't just make them hit a little bump. Doesn't just kind of sideline them for a second. It plunges them into ruin and destruction. You You don't survive that. You don't come out the other side of that. Are you with me? For Here's how it does it. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say that money's the root of all kinds of evil. You can be a rich person in the kingdom of God and please God. We're going to talk about how in just a second. It says the love of money, and you've seen it. How many times have you seen it? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Back to the money-power connection. Is it not true? The love of money leads to power that is so often abused. And then everything from from injustice because of greed to to sexual immorality because of the sense of power. Y'all tracking? Where did it all start? It started with the love of money. Wanting to be rich. And over and over, you and I, in little ways and perhaps big, fall to temptation to these things because we let our hearts fall first to the love of money. Some people, it says in, there in verse 10, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And the picture there is like a javelin going through you. You pierce yourself. That's just dumb. You kill yourself. You impale yourself. 
because of an eagerness for money. He skips on down in verse 17 and he talks to the rich. Command those who are rich in this present world. This is Paul saying to Timothy, the pastor, to the, to the church at Ephesus. You command, Timothy, Pastor Timothy, you command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Just make sure they're clear, Timothy. They don't trust stuff that's fleeting and and going away. And you make sure they're clear, Timothy, everything they got, God gave them. You command them not to be proud. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. God gives you money not to keep, but to give. Is it wrong to save? Absolutely not. But is it wrong to hoard? Absolutely. And a believer in the kingdom of God to whom God gives money ought to be the most generous among the people of God. And they ought to use their wealth for the good of the kingdom and the lives of those they know and and around the world. In this way, That is, by being generous, doing good deeds, being willing to share, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a foundation for the coming age that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You see, money is meaningless in terms of your standing before holy God, but money can have great meaning in the kingdom of God, and it can be used in such a way that you lay up everlasting treasure. Rich people, are you doing it? I mean, Timothy told, Paul told Timothy to command the rich to live this way. So as your pastor, from the word of God, I'm commanding you to live this way. God says. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying. God says. So let's just imagine together for a second as we close. What could happen in our community if just the people in this room all lived out the meaninglessness of money in all of our relationships by focusing on who Jesus is for all of us. What what could happen? Imagine the richest and poorest among us showing our neighbors and co-workers and friends at school that we live by completely different values that flow from the grace of God given to all in Jesus. We don't see people on the basis of their financial standing. We love them all. We serve them all. We see them as our equals and an equal need of our Savior. What can happen? I'm telling you, this group could impact Gilmer County in a radical way. Your perspective and behavior concerning money and possessions this Christmas, I mean, you are in the moment. You get it? The moment of application for this message is now. Your perspective and behavior concerning money and possessions this Christmas can show the world. And hey, parents, it'll start by what you show your kids. Y'all all right now? By the way, that's probably the most important ministry you've got. Not probably, it is. Right there in the home. Don't waste this Christmas time with your kids. How you deal with money and possessions can show them that the grace of God in Jesus gives us our only reason for boasting and our only security in life and eternity. See, you can be used 
to rescue folks from the insecurities and fears and anxieties and envy and bitterness and false guilt that plague so many who believe the lie that money ultimately makes you somebody and gives security. It does not. Because it doesn't last forever. Will you leave here this morning? Will I leave here this morning changed by the truth that only the grace of God in Jesus gives us a reason for boasting and our only security in life and for eternity? Poor folks, will you leave this morning boasting that God has exalted you and you're a king, a son of the king, a daughter of the king? You're the richest human being on the planet because of your eternal inheritance in Jesus? Will you live that way when you leave here this morning? Rich person, will you leave boasting that God has humbled you and showed you that all your earthly wealth will be left here. It's of no real value and all that makes you anything in this world and eternity is Jesus and all of his riches and righteousness. Will you? Let's pray.